Sean is a financial advisor with Hackett Financial in Booker Tone, Florida. And Sean has been on the podcast here for quite a while, and we've talked about a lot of different stuff. But this podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Wheel, your premier ag tire and wheel provider in North America, helping people grow. Tractor Zoom, delivering insights, and Dry Shod Boots, the official work boot of the Moving Iron Podcast. So, Sean, we were talking about this before we started recording today, and one of the, the biggest components of, of the U.S. corn market and uh, even soybeans to some some extent is the, uh, is the biomass market, right? So are the, the ethanol markets, the, uh, the biodiesel markets, the, all the different sub things that come off of that, whether it's DDGs that, the, that come out of the ethanol market to feed cattle and all these different things you see happening. That represents roughly, ethanol market, it's roughly about a third or so of the uh, U.S. corn production, what, what goes into U- of the U.S. corn production, and what we see happen there. And right now, um, ethanol is is a, an extreme premium to, to gasoline with what we see happen in the oil prices out there. So there's ethanol plants that are filing bankruptcy, closing down, going on furlough. They've canceled. A lot of them have canceled Ford contracts where these uh, farmers were getting, uh, you know, maybe anywhere from from 10 to, to 50 cents above the board um, on, on some of the prices you see happen there, and, and that's going to start shocking the market pretty hard, i got to believe. What we saw yesterday had, was probably a, a direct correlation to the $93 million or $93 million acre um, prospective crop um, report that we saw come out, planted acres report that we saw come out, and, you know, all the computers said sell, 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 so they sold, 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 and they did a really good job of doing that yesterday. So, I guess as you take a look at the ethanol market at what you see out there, kind of, I guess, what's your perspective of that and, and, and how much of an effect is that going to have on the overall corn marketplace? It's, it's, one is psychological. One is time frame. Um, and, and so the way I look at it is this. Roughly 5 billion bushels of corn are used to produce ethanol, roughly. Uh, a third of it is remains as DDGs, which actually is used as feed and takes away from corn demand. So it's not a 100% loss. It's a two-thirds loss. So we think, we try to think about it. We think about it as losing. If the whole industry went away, we would lose overall 3.5 billion bushels of corn demand because we would gain it by not having any DDGs available for feed, supplemental feed. Um, so is, are we going to lose the entire industry? Um, I guess the answer to that is how long will the government uh, keep the economy shut down? Because as long as the U.S. economy is shut down, that's how you know, crude oil is going to remain too low for ethanol to compete and for ethanol to be monetarily beneficial to anyone crushing it. Um, our view has been viruses are short-term in nature. They come and they go. We've seen it come and go in China. We've seen it come and go in South Korea. It's already going now in the EU. We're last. 
uh, for it to come and go, but April should be that in, and we should start to see things firing back up again uh, gradually here in, in May, and be full fired back up into June. With that in mind, that means that this temporary demand shock of loss from ethanol is, is, a, is a quarterly issue. We do not think it's a, a, a yearly issue. We think we will get ourselves back to a pretty healthy demand base. And those assets that are shutting down, we think will be taken over by the stronger players. And that production will come back in, will come back into the market later on from those that have deeper pockets that don't have to go under right now. That's kind of what happened with these things. You see the weak sell to the strong. The assets don't go away. They just get concentrated to a few hands instead of a lot of hands. And that's kind of what's going to happen in this quarter is these assets are going to shift, but they're not going to go away. We're going to see what we think could be very exciting demand later on in the year come back, uh, but obviously not in the second quarter. That's kind of so. So how low do we have to go right now uh, to factor that in? You know, one has to believe sub three dollar corn cash probably does most of that. Right, probably does most of that. How many acres are we not going to plant because we have sub three dollar cash corn? Right, uh, versus what we would have planted. So how many how many bushels of corn production are we not going to have now? because corn markets crashed because of the ethanol. Uh, we've argued that last year's crop has been overestimated, as it typically is, and that we would have expected to see in the June quarter grain stocks report for potentially five or 600 million bushels of less corn. But if we've now lost demand from ethanol, maybe we don't really gain or lose any. Like, like maybe the balance sheets actually stay fairly the same, even though people are fearful that it won't, because... What we lose, we'll, you know, it's, we're not exactly sure that, that the balance sheets are going to change that much. When we get it all put together, lower acres, lower quarterly grains in June, lost them in the we put them together, I think the balance sheets are going to be fairly close to what they've been all along before the market crashed to 335 with a wide basis. So to me, you know, some places seeing 275, 290 cash corner, we think it's pretty well priced in. I, I, you know, everyone's talking about it. Every media outlet is talking about it. Every farmer is scared to death about it. That usually means it's priced up. Usually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this 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 Russia Saudi Arabia bicker back and forth about who's who's a bigger player in the market and who's can hold each other out longest. And obviously Saudi Arabia is going to win that. Um, but. Like we've talked about on previous podcasts, there neither one of these countries can afford to have um, twenty dollar oil at any any level, right? I mean, you just can't. There's no there's no way that they either one of them can function, especially when it comes to uh, to Russia. When you start really looking what they've got going on, so last night there's been uh, I guess they've had some talks and what have you. And so last night Brent crude jumped up about thirteen percent, and West Texas jumped up about nine percent. Um, I guess when you take a look at what's going on in the oil market, at what point, if they get their feud settled up and everybody kind of comes back up and we've got, you know, forty fifty dollar oil again, then then the ethanol market starts to make sense, right? So I guess, do you see that? Do you see this as a short term thing, or do you see this as something that could be have some longer term ripple effects? As I just said before, we think it's a short term thing because the only way you can keep crude oil at $20 a barrel is you keep the global economy and the U.S. economy offline for longer than the next 30 to 45 days. I mean, it, 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 it's offline until the summer, mid-late summer, 
I do not, we do not see that happening. We, if you think about it, the only way that Saudi Arabia has leverage here is to do it while everything is still shut down. The minute that the virus starts to go away and the minute that everyone's firing back up again, they can't produce enough oil right. to keep the crude oil price down here. They know they are on borrowed time. They have to make a deal, in our view, within the next 30 days. They have to make a deal. Their time is running out. They're not stupid. They've done the research. They know what's going on with the virus. They're looking at what's happening in Europe. It's already going away. It's already gone away in China. It's already gone away in South Korea. And we're next. So, so they're going to try to get the best deal they can for themselves before all this demand comes back for crude oil. And then they back away and say, you know, uh, you know cut a deal. Everyone's happy. Sorry, screwed everybody. Let's all be friends again. So we do believe this is short term. Um, and, and we think that it's going to offer, we've, you know, on this program, Casey, and in our reports, we've been talking about April being the low point for corn for months now. And here we are, second day of April, and we're seeing corn right into the window of reaching the lows. And we've been talking about this time frame being the time frame to look for a low, to look for an opportunity for, you know, livestock or if you're on the buy side of this market to look at the corn market and here we are. Um, and, and so we are really excited, not that the corn price is as low, but we're really excited about the opportunity for this month to be the bullish turning point for corn and to have a recoil rally back up and provide an opportunity for the farmer to get a better price. And, and, and the lower we go now and the more we discourage farmers and the more we discourage acres and the more we discourage everybody the better the outlook actually is for less corn available later on in the year. So, so unless you have to sell today, um, we think we think the outlook looks actually pretty good heading into the summertime. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I, I agree with that because the numbers that the, that came out of that report on <clears throat> on uh, Tuesday there were were uh, very um, what's the best way to put that uh, optimistic. I think is the best way to put it. I mean. 93 million acres of corn is is a big number, and there's there's nothing out there to say that we're going to get that. That's kind of kind of what you've talked about in the past. That report is one of those ones like how much how much actual credence do you should even put into that something like that? Because same thing happened last year with the with the market when it came out, everything was crazy. Then we had you know planted this had this big number we're going to plant, and then all of a sudden. You know, a third of the country didn't even get a plant a crop, and then what they did plant was not good, and we hadn't nowhere near that number, and we rallied up a buck there in uh, in early summer. So I, I don't know. I guess there's there's something. So much that. has happened since the survey. Like mm-hmm. so much prices have fallen so much more since the survey. It literally makes a survey worthless. It quite frankly worthless. Mm-hmm. Um, with a shortage of toilet paper, maybe we should use the reporting thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, just take a look at the cotton acreage number. They had the cotton acreage number up. Yeah. I can tell you right now, 48 cents. No. Yeah, they're not going to plant any cotton. We're going to have record, we're expecting record low U.S. planted acres of all time. Yeah. Not up from last year. So just go to show you the absurdity of this report, given what has happened since the survey was taken. Um, but of course, when you have a, a computer program and, a, and an inanimate object hitting the sell button because it sees the data point and it runs through the algorithm and it says sell, short term, you can get what took place yesterday. Yeah. And you have to keep that in mind that that is not a 
uh, a permanent price. That's not a rational price. It's just what can happen on data streams from algorithms that use that for short-term gain. So, yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, it's crazy, but it's, yeah, crazy. That's all I want to say. All right, so this week, today we have the uh, weekly export report comes out, and <clears throat> again, the uh, they're not hoping for much uh, to happen today. So I think the, okay, so I'm looking at now, so corn estimates are somewhere between zero, none, and 100,000 <laughs> metric tons. Soybeans are the same. Uh, wheat is 150 to 450 a thousand metric tons and they don't think any soy meal is going to get exported today and uh, soy oil is somewhere between zero and five thousand metric tons so i don't know i guess they're not expecting much but the world is uh is kind of starting to rebound and what like we've talked about here in the past china and the countries that again started out early have an early effects the coronavirus and what that looks like have, have come back online to some extent and they're, they're going to start bringing stuff to them. So if today we have a very positive uh, export report, I, I guess what could you see that doing to the marketplace? Well, I mean, we, we've already had some positive reactions to some good exports mm-hmm. on given days. Right. We, already, we, we continue to see the ships waiting for unloading at China ports crashing, meaning they're cleaning up the bottleneck, they're cleaning it up, they're opening their economy, the ports are open, and, and that means they can bring Lots more ships in now. So that their capacity to buy, their capacity to handle incoming freight is growing demonstrably every single day. Um, and that means that the engine, the import engine from China every day is getting better and better and better. And unless the big one was we can argue it was or it was not, um, it should be coming into the market. The U.S. product especially on concerns. That the, that the coronavirus could enter a community spread problem in North America, and then maybe the supplies that they're anticipating may not be available or not be available in the time frame that they wanted. If I were the Chinese, looking at the whole situation and how crazy it's been and what might be happening during the winter time, I sure would want to secure some U.S. supplies when it was available just in case they're not available down there over some time. And so I think that's going to bring into the table by a lot of gain plus. Clearly, at a price, it's very advantageous for them. Right, right. absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, there's a there's a big opportunity there for them to buy some very cheap stuff. All right. Well, now, I, now, I, now in terms of that zero forecast for corn mm-hmm. exports, um, I don't think it can go much. I don't. I'm not expecting it to go lower than zero. Right. <laughs> That's, that's good. That's good, Sean. That's, that's a good guess. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to be dropping anything off today, so I feel like we're going to be, we're going to be all right. That's my forecast. It will not be negative. Man, that's good. That's good. That's a great guess, Sean. Good job, buddy. <laughs> that's a safe bet. All right. It's a safe bet. Yeah. All right. Well, good stuff as usual, Sean. This ethanol thing, I think, is something we need to keep our eye on, and especially as oil um, starts to rebound a little bit here. And like we if, said, if, if, if oil starts to push into the thirties, Casey, um, corn's going to catch a bid. Uh, okay. Sugar catch a bid. Those are the two ethanol commodities for ag. Sugar and corn have been decimated um, largely due to this loss of ethanol uh, demand for sugar and corn. But those two could be the poster for leaders if we get this crude oil market start to move up and we have a deal. It's firing back up, and we're heading back to forty or fifty. You know, what we just saw to the downside, we could put it right back on the upside. And so I wouldn't, we really do not believe this is a 
more than a short-term affair. As dire as it looks, we do not believe this is more than just a couple-of-month affair, and that we're going to look back on this period and go, anybody, anybody could have known to buy corn back then. How obvious was that one? Yeah. And so we would view it from that lens. We have a little bit more of a longer-term horizon than the next month or two. So. All right. Well, good stuff, Sean. If folks want to reach out to you and get some more information about what you do at Hackett Financial, what's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Our homepage has all kinds of information they can look at to see what we do might be out to your listeners. Right on. Well, I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check out me on uh, social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Also check out the movingironllc.com website for all the things that uh, are Moving Iron related, blog posts and those kind of things. Also check out Global Ag Network and all the great podcasters on there as well. So until next time, I'm Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett. Let's go move some iron, folks. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here.